Money FM 89.3, the best of the afternoon update. Money in the market on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to Money in the Market. I'm Hong Bin Jung. Singapore Investor Movement Index score jumped again in June. TD Ameritrade's Singapore clients measured 5.4 in June, an increase from the previous score of 4.98 in May. Now, the IMX is TD Ameritrade's propriety behavior-based index, aggregating Main Street investor positions and activity to measure what investors were actually doing and how they were positioned in markets. So to find out more about how Singaporean investors were positioned in markets last month and to take a closer look at investor movement, joining us today is AJ Kali, who's the head of international education at TD Ameritrade. Hi, AJ. Welcome back to the show. Hi, Hongbin. Thanks for having me on again. Thank you for joining us again. But okay, so AJ, we've seen the market rally in June. How would you describe markets last month? Did you expect this optimism? I think it would be a little bit too boastful for myself or any investor to say they expected something <laughs> in the market. I think mostly we all hoped for it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, for the most part, you know, we, we just wanted to see a longer term rally form and we needed more participation. So, you know, one word to describe what we saw last month was broad. You know, after much of this year when tech stocks were the only ones leading the rally, the mm. month of June was more communal. And we witnessed that by looking at the S&P 500, which is a capitalization weighted index, meaning the biggest cap stocks influenced the, the most movement there, was up 6% in June. But the mm-hmm. equal weighted index of the S&P 500, of course, giving every component of that index equal weight was up 6.5% in June. So we definitely saw that participation that we were looking for this whole year come to fruition in June. Right, right. So how did Singaporean investors react to this market rally? I mean, were there a lot of equity buying or were there more selling? Well, definitely just a lot of activity. People were engaged. So, Mm -hmm. of course, a mix of buying and selling. But overall, you know, like you said, Singaporeans were net buyers with that IMX increasing to 5.4% from uh, 4.98. And ironically, that actually was, and I think it's just a coincidence, up about 6% from May, equal to Mm -hmm. the S&P movement in the month of June. Um, But, you know, what I think we saw specifically with the Singaporean investors was a bit of profit taking. That's where that selling came in. But interestingly, they turned around and invested those profits directly back into equities. We saw strong buys in names like Coca-Cola and Nike, Mm -hmm. which both issued soft guidance and traded near yearly lows. So what we think is uh, investors saw that as an attractive entry point to get into some of these blue chip stocks. Okay. Okay. So how did they, you know, how did the investment trends of Singaporeans defer to other global investors? Well, you know, the biggest difference I noticed last month was that Singaporeans, of course, were net buyers, like we said, but the Mm -hmm. overall TD Ameritrade population were net sellers. So they diverted in that sense. You know, I think this goes to show that Singaporeans continue to exhibit a risk tolerance higher than the overall population. Mm. You know, they understand that sometimes the best trade is no trade. That's something that every trader learns pretty early in their <laughs> investing career. Uh, but also that sitting on the sidelines prevents you from participating in some of the biggest rallies, kind of like the one we had today in the U.S. markets. Mm-hmm. So why were global clients of TD Ameritrade more, you know, net sellers than buyers? 
you know, that I, I could speculate all day. Uh, mm-hmm. One speculation I came up with was that it could have to do with the lives of everyday Americans mm. who are the bulk of TD Ameritrade's uh, overall client base. You know, they saw May CPI decrease from the previous month, which was good for the consumer, but prices for things, uh, specific things like shelter, used cars, and food increased drastically in May. Um, America is a car-dependent country, doesn't have the robust MRT infrastructure, um, and food <laughs> and shelter, of course, is something that everybody needs every day. So, you know, witnessing the level of inflation in those specific items could influence an investor's opinion about maybe the possibilities of a recession and might prevent them from making further investments. I see. I see. I mean, then what sectors did Singaporean investors mainly invest in last month? I mean, I think I believe you mentioned Coca-Cola just now as well. Exactly right. Yeah. So there's uh, three main sectors. Coca-Cola, uh, uh, Coca-Cola, excuse me, uh, is a part of consumer staples, which was mm-hmm. a top three for Singaporean investors, as well as healthcare And really no surprise here, information technology. Uh, IT yeah. is always yeah. at the top of the three of not just Singapore investors, just a worldwide uh, client-based investment choice is IT. Okay. Okay. So speaking of which, I mean, AI-related stocks, they also led the gains in markets recently. Were Singaporean investors investing in more AI-related stocks as well? Well, here's what I think. The first name that comes to mind when you hear AI is NVIDIA, of course, the chip maker. Um, Here's interesting uh, fact is that our clients were actually net sellers of the stock in June. Okay. You know, I thought that was interesting. So I went back and looked and I noticed that actually during the June 2022 IMX, NVIDIA was our client base's biggest buy. And that's when the stock was trading at around $150 a share. Mm. So when you look at a potential 185% profit in just one year, it's really hard to fault anyone who decides to sell that stock. So NVIDIA actually a net sell, again, goes back to what we're talking about, profit taking after it was a big buy a year ago. Uh, But they're not the only AI name in town. You know, there are other Magnificent Seven, so-called Magnificent Seven stocks, which were also big buys, names such as Microsoft and uh, Alphabet, parent company of Google, were uh, Singaporean investors' kind of favorites for the AI play. Okay, okay. So how long do you see this AI-related surge continuing? I mean, will it be short-lived or do we you know, have to continue to watch? So if you think about some of the biggest, you know, hyped technologies that we've experienced in recent years, uh, things came to mind like, uh, well, cryptocurrencies is mm-hmm. one. Um, obviously, it's still around, but it had that huge uh, surge and then kind of leveled off. Right. You think about how accessible is that technology to the average person and also how useful is it? I think people are just really comfortable using fiat currency still, and they don't really have the catalyst to really adopt this new technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one, you know, more recently was, you know, the metaverse and Web3 was really hyped as, you know, the next domain for people to meet and gather. But again, can, you know, average citizens afford, you know, these luxury headsets right. that uh, requires for the full experience of, of these metaverse plays here? Uh, and then you, again, bring us to AI. And it seems to me like it's the first massively hyped new technology where average people can start using it today. Mm. You know, the, the barrier to entry is relatively low. You just need internet access. So, you know, I think 
the opportunity for innovation and disruption within the AI space, AI space is here and it's having immediate effect. You know, the one thing I would maybe caution about it is to, you know, watch out for regulation that might slow it down. So when we talk about, will this be short-lived or we have to continue to watch? I think you really have to continue to watch to see, you know, what jurisdictions are going to regulate it um, and to what degree to see if it's really going to have the staying power and the mass uh, adoption that new technology does require. I mean, I just saw news that Elon Musk has revealed his own AI company called XAI. So do you think that investors will continue to buy AI related stocks this yeah, month? Yeah, I think so. Because there's still you hear names when you get names like Elon Musk attached to something, people are going to pay attention to it. You know, yeah. we have space travel. He has SpaceX. You know, they're, they're, these are things that, uh, that that get massive popularity and get news um, reports written about them. Not all of them are going to survive. Right. The, the, right. They're, they're going to evolve or get swallowed up or, you know, just at, at a certain point, maybe just doesn't make economic sense. But mm -hmm. for the time being right now, we're definitely not out of this hype phase with AI. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it is, though, a, a, a kind of a, a, an area that it's going to be difficult to invest in because your attention is going to be pulled in so many different directions. It really takes some discipline to sit down and see which play here has the staying power and is going to be the future of this technology. Right, right. Now that we have to continue watching AI-related stocks and how they fare, I mean, we're in the second half of the year as well, AJ. How do you expect markets to perform? I mean, did the first half set a direction for the rest of the year or should we expect some more volatility? I would argue that we've experienced enough volatility for one year already. Thank you. I've had enough. Uh, the U.S. bank failures back in March, you know, that was a shock to the system. Thankfully, it did not infect the rest of the system. Um, but no, it really, it, it has been an, an impressive run so far. Uh, but when you think about last year's decline, obviously, we're still around 8% off of the all-time highs set at the end of 2021. Mm. Um, when you're trying to decide, you know, hey, what's going to happen for the next six months, I would say watch the data. The Federal Reserve has reiterated repeatedly that they are driven by the data to reach their dual mandate of stable inflation and full employment. So mm. the closer they get to that, the more likely they'll be able to at least stabilize rates or even lower rates, which could be the next catalyst to take markets higher. Right, right. So before we let you go, AJ, I mean, what else should investors be looking out for in the coming weeks that could move financial markets? Well, it just like I said, uh, you know, the market is reacting to every mm. possible Fed action when it comes to interest rates. Yeah. Uh, you look at employment. It's currently at a fantastic level. Participation rate is ticking up on employment rate, multi-year lows and average hourly earnings are increasing. You know, of course, it's the other side of the coin they need to figure out. Mm. And that's inflation. So, you know, it, it, to, to me, you know, it seems like their rate hike campaign, which started over a year ago, is actually doing what it was intended to do. It's bringing inflation down, at least according to the consumer price index, uh, which we saw come down again to 4.8% on the core readout this morning uh, in the U.S. But the Fed really focuses on something else called the personal consumption expenditure index. Mm -hmm. A new readout for PCE is due towards the end of the month on July 28th. I'd pay close attention to that and mm -hmm. see how it affects the probabilities 
for another one or two Fed interest rate hikes this year, maybe even taking it down to a possible cut in the year 2023. Okay. Well, thank you so much, AJ, for your time and your insights today. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. We've been speaking with AJ Kali, who's the head of international education at TD Ameritrade. This has been Money in the Market. I'm Hong Bin Jung. Stay with Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A W E D I O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.